0: So I'm excited about this message we're bringing today. We're starting a new series called Making Faith Real. And I want to talk to dads, but I want to include everybody. This message today is called Your Faith Isn't Private. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity just to open our hearts to your Holy Spirit, to open our eyes to your word. And Lord, we pray our ears would be open to your voice Lord, we pray for transformation in us. Lord, we pray for breakthrough. As we sung earlier, that walls would come down as we, as we get our eyes on you, as we get our mouths open and filled with praise, acknowledging who you are. You're our great God and King. And so, Lord, we're just excited about your word, and we're just open to you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So on Father's Day, I was just thinking about dads and the fact that men are, uh, we usually like things to be fairly tangible. We like to touch things. We like to taste things. We like to do things. You know, we want to fix something. We want to build something. We want to do something, right? Huh? Isn't that true, men? It's true. Um, We uh, like things to be the biggest We like things to be the fastest. We like things to be the first. You know, you don't want the second fastest car. You want the fastest car, right? Um, Men have climbed the highest mountains first in the world, men have flown the fastest in the world. Uh, We're the richest. We've eaten the most hot dogs. Go, men! (laughs) We were the first to the moon, and we were the first to get both feet all the way in our mouths. Come on, come on, it's true, it's true. When it comes to faith, which we're talking about today, sometimes we can struggle a bit as men for this reason that we like things to be tangible it doesn't sometimes just feel or seem tangible enough. But I want to tell you today that our faith doesn't have to be nebulous. It can be very real. It can be very practical. It can make a difference in our everyday life. Sometimes we've settled for a substitute thinking that faith is just about us. But Jesus taught us that he had a bigger vision that faith was for the world. He saw a vision of changing the world. And uh, in the book of Revelation, we see the result of that, that the heavens were filled with a multitude greater than anyone could count. That's Jesus' vision, that faith would make a difference to transform and empower us, but it would also transform us to change the world. Over the next two weeks, this week and next week, we're going to be talking about a book of the Bible. It's a small book in the New Testament, and the book is called Philemon. And uh, anybody here ever read the book of Philemon? Yeah, a few of you have read the book of Philemon. We're going to be writing. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul, and uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks and just look at how our faith can be made real, how it can have a practical outworking. And uh, so if you're a parent, if you're a business owner, if you're an employee, if you're a leader in the church, if you're a politician, if you're an influencer on social media, whatever you do, this book has insights that can move you from being frustrated from being discouraged, from uh, being ready to throw in the towel, to being a person who applies a powerful faith to bring breakthroughs and changes in your life, but also in the lives of others. Because this is Father's Day, I want to be addressing the dad specifically, but all these principles really do apply for all of us. And uh, this book is one that can change our language Uh, of what we might feel we have to do to what we know we can do or we get to do for God, right? You ever feel like, oh, I got some stuff in front of me, and I just feel like I have to do, oh, I got to do what's right, or I just feel obligated to do the right thing. And it's just like, oh, it's so challenging. It can be so hard. And I just believe that God wants to speak to us and change uh, our reality to, you know what? God could do something in this situation. God could use me. God could change me. God could make a difference, and I get to be a part of it, right? So that's what we want to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Before we get into the book, I want to explore this question, though. What is faith? So more than just talking about it as a definition, as a belief or a trust in God, I just want to encourage us a little bit. But what does the Bible say about faith? Uh, Faith is not blind. It's possible because Jesus comes to us and he reveals himself to us that we have the ability to believe in him. We talked about this in the book of Romans chapter 10. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Huh? Jesus is Lord. That's a revelation that comes to us. He gives us that revelation. And sometimes we receive that revelation as we are in the word, as we're studying the realities of the world around us. As the Holy Spirit comes and reveals himself to us and speaks to us, we get a revelation that Jesus is the Lord. And we can put our faith and trust in him and we can come into relationship and have our worlds rock. Isn't it good? To have your world changed by Jesus, isn't it good to be saved? Isn't it good to be forgiven? Isn't it good to be to receive hope? Isn't it good when Jesus comes into your mess and says, "You know what? I'm going to change this around, and I'm going to use it for something good in your life." Isn't it that amazing? That's the kind of God we have, and He wants to reveal Himself to us. Yeah. So in the Bible, there's lots of different uh, ways. To, uh, it speaks about faith. I just want to go out, uh, and maybe this today, I got, I think I got six of them here, and we definitely got time to look at them all, but uh, I'll at I'll le- least list them, and maybe next week we'll talk uh, more about some of these. So number one, there's intellectual faith. This is faith that we just have. It's an uh, intellectual assent. It's just what we can understand. I, I'll, I'll believe that if I can see it, if I can feel it, right? There's an intellectual faith. The Bible says in James 2.19, you say you have faith? For you believe that there's one God, good for you. Even the believe demons believe that, and they tremble, right? That's intellectual faith. They believe that there's a God, but they actually don't have faith in God. You know what I'm talking about? They don't trust God for their salvation. Number two, there's saving faith. And this is a gift of faith that God gives us to receive salvation, Ephesians 2 Verse 8 says, for by grace you're saved through faith, this not of yourself, it is a gift of God. You know, you got someone in your life that needs Jesus. The first thing you want to get doing is start praying. God, give them the gift. Give them the gift and use me, Lord, to be the one that carries it over and hands it to them. I want to be involved. I remember one of the first guys that I was praying for to come to Jesus early in my ministry. And uh, I prayed for this guy. He was a friend of Carla's and uh, this couple and their family. And, and uh, Gary, uh, he was so close. But he was, I was just like, oh, this is going to be so cool. I can hardly wait to lead, lead him to the Lord. And then one day he phones me up. Guess what, Greg? Guess what? This guy came into my, he worked at Future Shop. He said, this guy came into my store. And he said, I'm a Christian. And he introduced me to Jesus. And I prayed and received Jesus into my life. I went, (laughs) oh. I wanted to do that. (laughs) But it was so cool that to see their family transformed. To receive the gift of faith. Right? Isn't that cool? And I was a part by praying and just sharing and living out a life of faith before him. And he he received. Uh, Then there's the fruit of faith. And then there's. The measure of faith. The Bible says it takes faith to be used by God. And God will give you a measure. Are those? Those are going up there. It seems kind of small. I feel ripped off. (laughs) God wants to increase the measure of faith that he gives to people. And he does it because we're ministering the gospel of the grace of God we're ministering the gospel of Jesus and when we do that he gives us the gift of faith you see people operating that have faith and you say how can they do that well because they're being obedient to God and they're being a minister of the gospel they're being, they want to be used by God and they start obeying it says for i say through in in revelations 12 verse 3 says For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Isn't that amazing? That God wants to give you a measure of faith. How big is your measure? How big is the measure that you're carrying to hold the faith God wants to give you? Is it just little? Are you just like, oh, you know, if God will just bless me, you know, that's that's enough faith for me. Or do you got a measure that says, I want to be a blessing to my neighbor's kids. I want to be a blessing to my work. Uh, uh, peers. I want to be a blessing to, to my church and my community. I want to see, see strongholds change in my city. I want to I hear more than depressing stories. I want to see lives change and breakthroughs happen and life come where so it seems like there's only death. And I think, you know, your measure can get larger and larger as you have faith to minister the gospel. Right? And I encourage you, don't walk around with a little measure right? Have a larger measure. Ask God to increase your faith that your measure will hold more. Then there's the gift of faith, which is uh, something we talked about earlier this year. We won't talk about that today. And then number six, dead faith. It's faith that only, there's only words but no action. There's nothing practical outworking. It's just a religious thing. There's expectations that we put on people That we don't even live up to ourselves. Isn't it amazing how religion just kills stuff. It's just dead faith. There's nothing alive in it. James wrote that. He said, in the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by, uh, faith that is not accompanied by action is dead. So we're wanting to talk about Philemon. We got about an hour and a half left. Now, Philemon was written by the Apostle Paul about, about uh, 60 A.D. So about, you just kind of think about 30 years after Jesus died uh, on the cross and went ascended to heaven. Paul wrote this book of Philemon. And, and uh, the, the, in the book of Philemon, uh, some of you are like, Pastor Greg, that's not pronounced Philemon. Well, you pronounce it however you want. Some people will say Philemon and all kinds of... You, you go for it. And so the Apostle Paul had gone to uh, Asia, and he was ministering to people in Ephesus, in the city of Ephesus. And uh, he was having this successful time of ministry there. And people that were in the city uh, were coming to Christ. Gentiles, people that weren't Jewish people, he was reaching the world. He was reaching the cultures for Jesus, He was seeing people's lives transformed, and a guy came from the city of Colossae, which is from the book of Colossians, the, the, the city of Colossae, and, and uh, he gave his life uh, to Jesus. He was converted to Jesus, and uh, his name was Philemon. That was the guy. And then he went back to Colossae. He was a slave owner. He was a businessman. He was a person that got things done. He was a Gentile. That got things done. And so this book is about this guy. A letter written to this guy. And uh, in the book we learn that he owned a slave named Onesimus. And this guy had vacated the premises. And ran for freedom. And he ran to, uh, uh, from Colossae to Rome where Paul was a prisoner. And he was hoping, I think, as he got to Rome, big city, that he would kind of fade into the woodwork. And that he would have his freedom. Well, while he's in Rome, guess who he meets? He meets the Apostle Paul. And what does the Apostle Paul do? He leads him to Jesus. Because that's what we do when we live by faith. Right? We have faith and we share our faith. Right? That's what Jesus asked us to do. Be people that share the good work that Jesus has done in us with others. And Paul leads Onesimus to the Lord and his life is transformed. In this letter, Paul is writing to Philemon and he's reminding him and us that in our human condition, faith is not just a thought. It's not a concept but it's something very real that can change our lives. It can change our relationships. It can change the disaster that we're in. And he writes to him the good news, and he appeals to him. You know, Jesus wants us to love and forgive to the same measure that we've been loved and forgiven. Huh? You think, how could I ever forgive that person? How could Philemon, you know, how could Philemon ever forgive Onesimus for, for abandoning him? Well, Paul's appealing to him and saying, you know what? This is how you do it. This is how you do it. You forgive based on the love and forgiveness that you've received from Jesus, right? And so this is an exciting book. So we're going to take a couple of minutes. Let, let's, can we read a whole book of the Bible in this message? Guys can handle it. So, if you got your Bible, you can follow along. I'm reading uh, today from the NIV. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, and fellow worker, or our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. So he's writing to Philemon who pastors the church in Colossae, in his home, right? And uh, as a businessman. Isn't that cool to think God could use me? Yeah. Yeah. I always thank my God in verse 4. I think I skipped a verse. Verse 3. Grace and peace to you from our God and Father. Father. Happy Father's Day, God. And to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Or verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in change. What an exciting thing. <laughs> to have kids, eh? Uh, we can have spiritual kids, right? They can be our sons and daughters. You want, you need some sons and daughters. You do, I do. We need them, right? It'll it'll propel our faith forward. Who became my son while I was in chains? Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. That doesn't mean he was a youthful. Uh, Employee. That just means he took off on him. He abandoned him, right? Left him, left him high and dry. And so now he he can be useful. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? What a transformation! Um, he is a very dear to me, and dear to you both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our lives. Transform us, God, by your word. So I just want to take a few minutes this morning. It's 11.06. I'm well aware of the time. And I have some thoughts on the paper here. I'm going to follow them. One of the powerful truths of, Philemon's, of Philemon, of the book of Philemon, is that faith isn't private. Say that. Just say that to yourself. Faith isn't private. But it's a powerful force to transform my life And the lives of the people around me. And this week we're going to talk about faith that has power to transform us and the people in our lives. Next week we're going to be talking about faith that has power to transform the culture around us, right? So I know you guys heard me reading that Onesimus was a slave, right? And you're like, what? There are slaves in the Bible? What's going on? We're going to talk about that next week, okay? So if you're curious about how the culture can be transformed by faith, and you come next week. Um, Paul said he was a prisoner of Jesus in that first verse. He said, I'm a, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You know, Paul, uh, Jesus did not bind Paul up in a jail, in a prison. He didn't put him in a cell. He didn't limit him. Jesus actually does the opposite of, when he comes into, our, stepped into our lives, as we begin to follow him, Jesus actually promises to bring freedom to us. He sets us free, doesn't he? He sets us free. He sets the prisoner free. He sets the captive free. He sets those that are bound up free. He sets the blind to see. He sets people that are broken into healing, and he brings freedom into our lives. So Paul wasn't actually talking about A literal prison when he was saying Jesus didn't lock him in prison. But Jesus actually was making him a prisoner to the gospel. It was the power of the gospel that affected Paul in such a way. He said, there's no way. There's no way from here on in that I can live my life for myself For my selfish wants, my desires, my pleasures, I am ruined. I've got to live as a prisoner to the gospel, a prisoner of Jesus. I am going to live my life in such a way that only makes sense is to live for the gospel. I've been so loved. I've been so impacted. I've been so touched by the gospel, by Jesus, that I am now a prisoner. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. You know what? Jesus didn't just make Paul a prisoner. But Jesus, when he came into your life, he made you a prisoner. He made you a prisoner to the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of grace. The gospel of our great God and King. That he wants to transform us, but he wants us to be carriers of that transforming power of the gospel into the world. We're going to see our world changed. We're going to see our world transformed. We're going to see our world set free. As we are obedient to Jesus. (laughs) I know it's a hard one to say amen to. To say that we're prisoners of Jesus. We're prisoners of the gospel. Okay, so I want to just talk about how faith is a powerful force. To you, men, faith is a powerful force. I don't say that, men. Faith is a powerful force. It's a powerful force. It's not just a woo-hoo spooky, you know, feeling. And I know the girls; they like to sing these songs. ah. I was talking to my brother-in-law. He said, "Wouldn't it be great if there was power tools in church?" You know, someone started a chainsaw during the worship. You know, let's get on a sledgehammer and pound something. You know, (laughs) we got a great God. (laughs) Make some noise. (laughs) Faith is a powerful force. So number one, faith is a powerful force when we realize that it grows. We realize that it grows. The gospel of the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is that it might start small in our lives and situations, but it can grow. So men, you might think, oh, I don't have faith like like you, Pastor Greg, or I don't have faith like some of the women, or, you know, my wife has faith. I just, I don't really get it that much. I think my faith is small. I'm going to say, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. You know what Jesus said? What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a small mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds on the earth. Yet when it's planted, it grows and it becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. That's what can happen with small faith. So I'm telling you, if you've got small faith, don't knock it. Don't put yourself down, man. Small faith is powerful faith. Because it's faith that God can use. And he can cause it to grow. You know, Jesus saw the kingdom of God as starting small and flourishing and growing as the days uh, advance. He saw the smallest seed becoming a large tree. That's how the kingdom of God would grow through the earth by faith. Faith can grow quickly and it can grow slowly. Anybody ever experience that? Sometimes your faith seems to bound forward and sometimes it's just like a snail. <laughs> the reality, Jesus said, is that even though faith might be small, it has great potential. It's good news for us as men in our lives, in our businesses, with the people that we lead, in our families, in our call, with the gospel. I was just talking to you about it. We have a call, men. We have a call to experience the gospel, but to be people that bring the gospel to others. People are hopeless without the gospel of Jesus. But with the gospel of Jesus, they have hope. Man, what better what better uh, uh, um, job description could we have as men to be hope bringers, to be life bringers, to be life changers to people? Man, that makes me excited. Uh, it may look like things are small and hopeless, but faith has huge potential. Okay, frustration and anger and discouragement come to us men at times. And they're likely going to come to us when it comes to faith. That we will likely experience some of these. In fact, I talked to a man just before church started who was angry. He wanted his faith to work. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay to feel some anger. We want, as men, we want our faith to grow. And some of these emotions, we feel we can get, we can get discouraged and think, oh, you know, I'll never, I'll never get it. I want to tell you, some of those things that you're feeling are your desire to see the gospel work in your life. The gospel, to work in other people's lives. So how do we get it going? Well, Paul used this method with Philemon. And I want to just give it to you. Man, this is a tool that might help you. And it's found in verse 4 through 7. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Call this the sandwich method. Isn't that fun to talk about food? Guys love food, it's tangible. Talking about faith, the sandwich method of faith. <laughs> because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. So he's saying, (laughs) Philemon, (laughs) your faith needs to get lived out. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. That's what that statement means right there. He just said it all kind of pretty like. Then he says in verse 7, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So when you're looking for growth, don't get mad. Get even. No, no, no. Don't get mad, don't get frustrated, don't get angry. Here's, here's, a, here's a method, the sandwich message. Number one, start with thankfulness. Paul said, I thank my God as I remember you in my prayer. Start thanking God. Thank God and tell the person you're thankful for them. Tell them you're praying for them. Tell them what you're thankful for. Be specific, bless them. And then in number two, the middle of the sandwich, describe what you're believing for. Walk the walk and talk the talk. He said. But he used nicer language. And you do that too. Don't, do, don't just demand. But use words that say what you're believing for. What you're looking for. What you have vision for. What God has given you faith for. Paul's saying, I got faith for you to be a partner with me. Let's walk arm in arm. Let's make, it, let's make a difference in Colossae. And then he finishes the sandwich off, number three, end with encouragement. And with encouragement. You, brother, (laughs) have refreshed our hearts. You know? You know? That's the sandwich method to grow your faith. Get a change. Don't just get mad. (laughs) Don't just get even. (laughs) Get some faith going. Here's the sandwich method. That's what Paul used with Philemon. Keep it in your journal. I encourage you. Write it down when you use this method. I used the method. You got, some of you, I know you're thinking, I got the person. I'm going to use that on tomorrow. (laughs) I know, this afternoon when I get home, I'm going to. (laughs) Do it, you know, Paul even did a letter. Yeah, maybe it would work on Facebook. I don't know. But write it down. Keep a track of it. And keep it in your mind. Keep it in your prayers that faith is going to grow. That things are going to change in that relationship. And then write down when you see the answer. And you know what will happen? Your faith will grow. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day. And you'll grow, grow, grow. We won't get any more. You guys get it. You'll get it. I encourage you. I encourage you. Uh, Pastor Kimmy is talking about Pastor Stan, who is a covering apostolic ministry over our church. He passed away suddenly in his sleep last week and was a dear friend of ours. And uh, I just think, what an example of a man of faith, believing for growth, believing for things to change. And it works. And they said at his funeral, Pastor Stan, a man, would journal things. He'd write it down. And he had all kinds of instances where God had answered his prayer. And you know what they said? You know what? Probably everybody here, we could look up in his journal and find where he prayed for you more than once. I thought, man, that's cool. What a cool story. Faith can grow. Faith can grow. Number two. Faith is a powerful force because it deepens our relationships. You know, the book of Philemon is a real story. It brings us, brings up real life. It shows us how faith can be real, so it can have effect on our lives. It can have effect on our dreams. It can have effect on the vision that Jesus has given us. Welcome home to Caitlin, huh? Caitlin, stand up, Caitlin. Are you going to be here next Sunday, did you say? You're not sure yet. We're we're going to hear from Caitlin. Uh, She'll be around a little bit on and off, but we're going to hear from her. And she just is home from Palestine, where she's been teaching this year. And we want to hear the story of how God has been at work in your life. And I think of this because you were telling me this morning at breakfast of how you have relationships in Palestine where you never had them before. And this is one of the things that faith does. It can, it can cause powerful relationships to grow, deepen in our lives. And the, this book of Philemon is a real book about real life, how relationships can change. Anybody need a change in a relationship? Do you see a relationship? It could grow. It could be better. It could change. Sin has a grand way of making itself seem enticing, which is often why we get caught in its web of deceit. And Romans 6:23 says, "The wages of sin is death." And death refers to separation, separation in our relationships, separation in our relationship with God, loss of potential, brokenness, defeat, hopelessness, pain. You got some relationships that some of those words describe. Maybe you do. you You've given up on something. Well, when sin is at work in a relationship, there's bound to be some trouble. That's what happens. That's what Paul told us in the book of Romans. And then he goes on in that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right? He changes separation into relationship. You know, Paul shows us that if we have some hell visiting us in our relationship, it's a perfect opportunity for the gospel. And Paul tells uh, us in the book in the letter to Philemon, he says, I led Onesimus to faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that in the middle of brokenness, what does Paul do? He doesn't look to brokenness. He looks to Jesus and invites him into the mess because in that place, he knew that the gift of God was relationship, deeper relationships, stronger relationship. The The thing about sin... Is that it's going to try to drive a wedge into relationships. It's going to try to bring some death. It's going to try to bring some destruction. It's going to try to bring some stress and some, and some heartache. But Jesus is different. Paul says, I humbly lay my life down for Philemon. We read, he said, you know, I'll do, I'll pay, I'll pay whatever he owed, Right? Uh, Paul gives faith a chance by allowing God to redeem the situation. He didn't say, you got to do what's right, Philemon. (laughs) You know, the Bible says it, and I'm going to come there, and I'm going to whack you on the head until you get it. No, no, that's not what he said. He said, I could, but I'm going to appeal to you in love and faith. And I'm going to ask you to let Jesus do the right thing. And bring restoration and wholeness and forgiveness. Huh? Isn't that a better way? It's a better way. Paul calls, you can read it in verse 7 and verse 10, verse 16. We don't have time for all those. I wished we did. But he starts talking about his family, his relationships with these guys. He calls them son. He says, he, he ref, when he calls someone son, you know what that means you are? You're the father, or you're the mother. Brother, he calls him. Friend, he calls him. Family relationships. Goes from brokenness to we're the closest people on the planet. Isn't that cool, what Jesus can do? Number three, faith is powerful when we use an invitational approach. You know, when our children are young, we do not use an invitational approach. Uh... I see Mr. Nelson is here. Maybe you guys use the invitational approach at school. I don't know, when kids are young. But I think what my wife and I did with our kids when they were young, we didn't ask them, do you want to eat now? Do you want to go to bed now? Do you want to have a bath now? No, 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 no. no. We said, it's time. It's time. Wash your hands. Sit at the table. Don't get up from the table until you're excused and say thank you. Huh? That's not invitational. We don't use that approach with our kids because we're teaching them. Our relationship is a relationship of dependence when we're talking about kids. We don't ask our young children if they want to go to bed and all that kind of stuff. We know what they need to be healthy. We're protecting their lives. We're honoring systems. We don't Use an invitational approach when it comes to that. But, neither do the police. They can order you to stop your car. Put your hands up. All kinds of stuff. They can tell you what to do. Our security team in the church here. They can tell you, you're not allowed to go down into the kids area. Because they're protecting our kids, right? They don't just say, oh, go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. No, 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 you can't do whatever you want. (laughs) Invitational approach does not always work. But it does work in relationship. Paul was influencing his peers with the gospel. And he was making room for the gospel by using an invitational approach. In verse 8 and 9, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold in order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It's as none other than Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You know, faith is a powerful force to transform lives. It transformed our lives. It transformed the lives of our children. It transforms the lives of the people that we lead we invite, therefore, the gospel into our lives. We invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. We invite the word into our lives. We invite others into the kingdom and to experience what we've experienced, right? That's the invitational approach. Peter, 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's stand up as we're closing the service today. Man, don't we want to be people of faith? Don't we want to see faith work in our lives, in our relationships? Oh, we need you, God. We need miracles. If you need a miracle, as we've been, you've been hearing the word, faith has been rising up in you. Faith has been rising up in you. And you're starting to believe that God could use you. The worship team's gonna come, and we're gonna just believe for you that God is gonna give you wisdom. Maybe you're gonna use one of these tools, whatever it is, you're gonna begin to believe that it's not just anger <laughs> and frustration that's gonna help you get through, it's gonna be the faith that God gives you. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's just bow our heads. Let's open our hearts. If you need need a breakthrough, Lord, we're believing for breakthroughs to happen on our behalf, not because of our goodness, but because of the gospel of Jesus. And we're putting our faith and our hope in you, Jesus, what the devil has tried to steal away and where he's tried to work and bring havoc and death and separation and confusion and anger and all kinds of things. We just say no to that. We're opening our lives to the life-giving gospel of Jesus. And we're inviting you, Jesus, to come into our lives, come into our situations, come into these people that we're, we're, we're having challenges with. Lord, we pray give us, give us insight and wisdom and help us to have, be people of faith to overcome in Jesus' name. Lord, we're asking for miracles. We're asking for hearts to soften. We're asking for hearts to change. We're asking for attitudes to soften and change. Bad attitudes would become good and come sweet, Lord, because you're getting involved. And Lord, we pray you'd help us to be ministers of that gospel of grace in Jesus' name. Give us words to say. Give us us a sandwich (laughs) to hand out. Yeah, thank you, God. Help us not to be demanding. Help us to believe even the small amount of our faith could grow into a large tree. A place where you could be honored and blessed. Thank you, Jesus. And for you might be here this morning, never put your hope and faith in Jesus. And I want to encourage you, don't leave this room today. Don't leave this room today without reaching out to him. And inviting him to come and encounter you. To forgive you. To change you, to make you new. The Bible says He wants to make you into a new creation. <laughs> Behold, old things are passed away. It's just that easy. Leave the past, leave the pain, leave the brokenness, leave the hell, and walk into freedom. Walk into wholeness, walk into acceptance. <laughs> And the Lord, He gave His life for you. That, that feeling of invitation that you're feeling is from Him. It's from the Holy Spirit. He's inviting you. He's, he's reaching out to you and He's saying, Come, come, come to me. Taste and see I am good. I can transform your life. Open your heart to Him. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to change you. Commit your steps that you would follow him from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.